Welcome back to another episode of the One Broke Actress Podcast. <sighs> What's up, guys? This is an honest account of actor life plus a few lessons I learned in the process. I'm your host, Sam Valentine, and this is our 20th episode. Woo! I think you're not supposed to celebrate until you get to episode 25, but I'm all about the small victories. So here we go. Episode 20, super pumped with Maddie Curley, and we'll get to her in just a second. First, let's get all the paperwork out of the way. Thank you so much for your support with the call sheet, our weekly email update of actor headlines. We have a lot more cool stuff happening with that shortly. So the more people get subscribed, the better. And we're going to have some cool things coming. So if you're not subscribed to the call sheet, if you're like, what the fuck are you talking about? You go to onebrokeactress.com and click subscribe. And there you can sign up for our weekly email newsletter. It comes out every Sunday and it's just a list of the topics and stuff that's going on in the business, casting directors you might need to know that are doing a new show, something like that. It's super simple. Four to six articles every week, really streamed down. It's myself and Jenna Michno, a fellow broke actress who put it together. So get subscribed guys. Also, I am working on a new series for the blog that's going to come out in a couple weeks. So make sure you follow me at Sam Valentine on Instagram and you're checking the onebrokeactress.com site because this is going to be kind of an, uh, an interactive series. We're going to be able to do it all together. Uh, it's going to be cool. It's going to be cool. I know a lot of people are excited to kind of get their ducks in a row, get their shit together for the upcoming summer. So we're going to get down and dirty and get serious about the things we need to get done as a group because I am right there with you. <laughs> Very much so. So make sure you are on top of all of that, guys. As always, if you have any questions at all, you can reach out to me on the website or at sam at onebrookactress.com. And uh, is that all of my announcements? I think it is. I think that's it. Thank you so much for listening to last week's episode, guys. Brett really enjoyed coming on the podcast, and I might eventually have another person from SAG on the podcast who is actually a member, so that'd be more on the political side, so keep an eye out. Keep an ear out, I guess. Ugh, that's so corny. Okay. On the podcast today, we have Maddie Curley. I'm so excited for you guys to get to know her because she is not only an incredible actress with a crazy story, but she's also a really strong ass woman. And she shares with us her story of how she got to L.A., of course, which is kind of way interesting because she was a teacher for Teach for America. And then she ended up coming to Hollywood to film a Disney movie, which is absolutely nuts. You've probably heard of it. It's called Stick It. I don't know. Little this little film. So that was what first brought her to L.A. And then she got here and she was off the heels of this great movie. And then she was like, OK, and, and now what do I do? So she's been here ever since. And she shares with us how she got where she is now. She made her own film called Chalk It Up that's on Netflix. So you can watch it right now. And she really tells us how she got from point A to point Z, how she made her own movie, how she submitted to film festivals, how she got it done which is crazy fascinating because I know a lot of you guys out there are making your own work, so you definitely want to listen up to this. She shares with us the classes, the people, the books, the resources that have helped her along the way. By the way, there's a full list of all the links to all the things we talk about in today's podcast at onebrokeactress.com under the podcast section. So you can just go there and click on any of those super simple links. Anyway, we get into how she's working now as a writer's assistant, how she got that job, what she's learned from it, which is awesome and she really talks to us a bit about body image because she is I'm not kidding you a strong-ass woman she's extremely muscular extremely fit and gorgeous and we talk about how LA likes to stereotype bodies and how Hollywood and the movie business in general likes to put us all in boxes and we have to find out if we fit in that box and if we even want to be in that box and how to deal with it. So I think you guys are going to enjoy her stories and her opinions quite a bit. In fact, I think you guys are going to like her so much that she agreed to do a One Broke Actress Instagram takeover. So on the Friday following the podcast, of course, as per usual, that is Friday the 20th. Maddie Curley will be taking over my Instagram at Sam Valentine in the stories and sharing a day in her life. 
So make sure you turn into that because then you can see what it's actually like behind the scenes. And I'll give you a little more information about that at the end of the podcast as well. So without further ado, please enjoy Maddie Curley. I'm here with Maddie Curley. Hi. Hi. How's it going? <laughs> Good. Um, so I like to start people off with just asking how you got to LA. Like what was your journey to get, becoming an actor in this town? Ooh, that's a good story. It's probably my best story. Oh, great. We're going to start at the top and work our way <laughs> Set down. Set the bar. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was a seventh grade English teacher in Rocky Mountain, North Carolina, and I had majored, one of my majors in college was drama, and then one of my friends from the drama department, while I was teaching seventh grade, was like, Maddie, are you still acting? Because there's this gymnastics movie you should audition for. And I was like, yes, I'm miserable. Uh, and to any of my seventh graders listening, I'm sorry, but I was miserable. <laughs> and, um, and so I went to this audition up in Washington, D.C., so I drove up. I got a substitute te- teacher, and then, I mean, it was perfect because it was a gymnastics movie, stick it, and I got called back. So then I drove up to D.C. another day, and I was, like, telling my students the whole process, and then I waited two and a half months to find out. And in, in that time, they flew me out to L.A. for, like, the big test and I was paired up with different actors because it was my character's Mina and there's this other character Weiwei which like in every teen movie there's like the main girl and the two best friends Uh (laughs) one of the two best friends and so they like they tested us with different best friends and and the funny thing was I really bonded with this girl anyway Nikki Suhu and um, so the whole time we were waiting to hear and and then she got a call that she didn't get it and I was like oh man and then I didn't hear anything. And then finally she <laughs> called me back before I had even heard that she did get it after all. What? Yeah. And so then I was like, wait, what? And then I remember the phone call because I had been emailing the director. I don't know how I got the director's email. That's ballsy. Yeah. I'd been emailing her probably like twice a week showing her because she was like, we need you to get back in gymnastic shape because at the time I'm a freaking teacher, you know. Oh, yeah. And when were you working out? Yeah, never. So I was going to the YMCA in the morning at like 6 a.m., and then I was leaving teaching and going to my old gymnastics gym, college, driving two hours to work out with my old team, driving back, and like I was sending her updates of all my skills, and then finally when she called, she was like, uh, Maddie, and I was like so nervous. I'm breathing really hard. She's like, what do you want me to say? I was like, that I got the part? And she's like, you did, and please don't ever email me again. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like... Done. And then the greatest thing was at the end of filming, which like it was a huge $28 million Disney movie with Jeff Bridges. Like Disney paid for everything. They had my apartment, a car. Where'd you film that? Um, all over. Okay. And I don't know the city. I didn't know the city well enough. So now I don't even know where all we filmed. You know, I know at one point we went to Lancaster because everybody was like, Lancaster. And <laughs> they were all upset. But at the end of the movie, Jessica gave us all a book and then the end, at the end of my book it said hey write me an email anytime and oh, that was so it like cool. came full circle and it was cool so you finished wrapping that and you decided to just cut stay with all the yeah yeah well it was funny because I was doing teach for America so then teach for America was like oh it's perfect timing you're done filming right when the school year is going to start again so you can just do your second year in Compton and I was like oh no, I couldn't handle rural North Carolina. I will actually die in Compton. Oh, my God. Yeah, so then I was like, nope, I'm an actor for life. Wow. What a cool story. So that was like your first, basically, like, L.A. experience was fully filming a feature. Yeah, which was crazy because it was also my first audition for a film, period. So, oh like, I would hate me now to yeah, hear I my story. Hate you, yeah. <laughs> but it's okay because in the next 12 years, I spent struggling and now I'm like, oh, I did a YouTube video yesterday. I'm so excited. So, I think and I'm like, I'm paying my dues backwards, yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny how that happens. So, because I've had, uh, I had Brian Unger on and he was talking about how he came to LA with the, the perfect setup. He had, you know, this. Uh, agent, he had this pilot, he had all these things that were like we all hope and dream for, and then he came here and then had shit just hit the fan, and he yep. was like, Oh, now I have to like audition, like what? Mm-hmm. So, coming off of that, then you're not a teacher anymore, you're done filming, and the movie's not gonna come out for God only knows how long, forever. So, what did you do? Um, I got a job at the Coffee Bean, Great. no joke, and Tea Leaf, and then I was also, it was actually very cool because I was. I went straight to house-sitting, the stunt coordinator's house. So I was living in 
the Hollywood Hills. So I felt like I was still sort of living this dream. Like he had a full house with a pool in the back. And I would like take care of all his like day-to-day business while he was off filming Pirates of the Caribbean in the Bahamas. Oh, so he was gone for a minute. He was gone for a while, yeah. And I'm, like, getting his checks and, like, helping him deposit them. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, stunt guys do really well. (laughs) And he had always said, like, you should be a stunt woman. And, like, to this day, I'm like, I probably should have done that sooner Uh, because I do do stunts a lot of times now. But, like, I was always afraid, like, if you're a stunt person, then you can never be an actor again. Yeah, it's like the background trope. Yeah, but it's, like, not necessarily true. And he does great, and so many of my friends can do both. But, um... But yeah, so then I did that, and then I auditioned a lot. I got to audition for some really big films at first, like Step Up, I did remember. You, did you have an agent at this point? Oh, so the people that cast Stick It... Because you didn't have an agent when you got didn't, Stick It. No, and that was a really funny story, too, because when they called and did my deal, like, I'm a teacher making <laughs> maybe $1,000 a month. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> when was that conversation? Maybe. And, like, my rent was, like, $200 in North Carolina, right? So I, oh my th- God. I still think I'm, like, oh, I'm pretty doing pretty well here. And then they called, and they're, like, we're going to offer you, which at the time was the SAG minimum, which was you don't get all this because you pay a million taxes, but right. 65000 And I'm on the phone, and I'm, like, covering the phone up, and I'm, like, I would have taken way less. <laughs> <laughs> like, which you're, like, not actually allowed to do. Right. Because I became, like, tapped hard lead and a must-join, and – and so I was like, this is the greatest ever. And then you end up getting like about 30000 which is funny. Right. It's yeah. funny how like <laughs> almost half of it goes away so quickly. So quickly. And that's been, even before you had an agent. That's like crazy. Without an agent or a manager to pay. So when everyone hears these big celebrity stars, like they make $10 million a movie, yes. like subtract, subtract half 40%. and then subtract 10% from <laughs> yes. that per person who works for them. Yep. Okay. So did you get an agent during that process of filming that movie? Yeah, so they helped me get an agent, and I don't even remember who my first agent was. I want to say like Henderson Hogan or something, Okay, but I don't think that's right. I think it was with someone else first. So they helped me get an agent, and then ironically, after I worked at the coffee shop, I worked at a yogurt shop, and this girl <laughs> came in, and I was it's wearing... a natural L.A. progression. Yeah. This girl came in, I was wearing a stick-it hat, and she's like, oh, my manager would love you. And that's how I got my manager, through working at a yogurt shop. Really? Mm-hmm. And she was this, like, I want to say 75-year-old, just, like, loved Hollywood but knew nothing about the business. <laughs> but right. I was like, I'm represented. This is I, great. I feel like I took a meeting with her at some point. Yeah, right? <laughs> and, um, yeah, and then, like, big opportunities. Like, it's funny because I always, and I'm sure you'll ask more of these questions, but I always think, like, oh, this is the big break. You know, like, I went to, uh, you know, Lots of auditions, and I was still, like, booking parts. I've been on a lot of TV shows, like, CSI New York and Party Down and The Office, and, like, every time I'm like, oh, finally, my career's taken off. And I even had, like, a network test for a gymnastics TV show, which I cannot still to this day believe I didn't book. They did, they picked a dancer, and it was like part oh. of me knew they were going to pick her because she had a really cool voice, and I was like, man, her voice is so cool. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Is the show still on? No, it got okay. canceled after two seasons. But it was just so funny because, yeah, each time I'm like, it finally happened. Right. Yeah. And then it doesn't. I know. It's not. It, I know. <laughs> it's, and when I came here, I read Michael Caine's book. and It's great. It's so great. And every acting book I ever read always started with, if you can see yourself doing anything else, do it. And I was always like, what? That's so silly. And. But now I'm like, no, it's so true because it's such a hard industry that if you can see yourself, then go do that thing because this is the only thing I can see myself doing. So I, I know. just got to stick it right? out. Right. <laughs> I'm here till I die, you know? Ugh, I know. <laughs> Some days I'm like, God, I wish I wanted to be an yes! accountant. Yes. I wish I wanted to be a teacher. Anything. Anything. I wish that. And you did that. You were a teacher first. So teacher. you really know. Mm-hmm. I, had, I was like, this is, I'm all in. I'm into this. Okay, so... So then you're auditioning, you start doing, you know, co-star, guest star, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. You had network tests. Did you think that when Stick It came out that it was going to be this, like, upper echelon, like, of course, you know, you then, like, that's, like, the best footage. You have footage from a Disney movie. Yeah, and all of it's with Jeff, Br- like, all my scenes are with Jeff Bridges, <sighs> you know, like, who's winning Oscars all the time. Yeah. Um, yeah, I definitely thought that was it. And really, for the other two girls, it kind of was, like, Missy, the lead, 
was immediately offered four or five leads in feature films. She decided to go into TV, which I always found really interesting, but she always knew exactly what she wanted. And so she went... Um, she was before her time. Now yeah. it's like the TV time is now. Yeah, it's true. Like, she went straight into TV. She's amazing and the funniest girl in the world. And she, like, has been on TV shows ever since. But she had done a TV show before Stick It, so maybe that's why she knew she liked it. Okay. But, yeah, I thought, you know, this is it. I As soon as the movie is out, I've made it. And, um, no, it's it's not like that. <laughs> <laughs> It's, uh, yeah, it's quite a struggle. So from there, from that point where you're, you know, things don't go according to plan necessarily, mm-hmm. um, what did you do? Well, How so did you keep yourself, like, afloat? I kept auditioning, and I always tried to make sure I had an agent and a manager, which is a lot harder than it sounds because if you're not booking the series regulars, they don't want to keep you that long, you know? Mm-hmm. And so every time one would drop me, it felt like worse than a boyfriend breaking up. It was just like the worst feeling. But, you know, it's one of those like keep meeting people, keep taking acting classes. I went into a a thing called Actor Salon, which definitely helped change my life. Um, Oh, did it? That's mm -hmm. awesome. Which, yeah, we can talk more. Yeah, I'll link all this in the show notes too, guys. Yeah, which we can talk more about. But they just kind of approach acting as a business and they help you each week so you kind of don't go through that like jaded, discouraged, hopeless period that you can tend to go about yeah (laughs) and tell me about it yeah well what they do is you go you go meet with a group they they put you in different classes and you're probably with like eight people and they start with uh your wins and so you want to tell one industry win and one just your life win which is actually become really helpful when you're thinking about it every week because then when you do meet someone in the industry and they're like who are you and you're like oh Maddie, and you know, like, what have you been up to? And then you already know. You're like, uh-uh. oh, I just won a CrossFit competition last week. And, um, you know, I just finished another pilot that I was writing. And it's like, oh, cool. You know, like, so then it's like, oh, you're a working actor, but you're also an interesting human. Right. I'm all big on that right now. I'm like obsessed with this. Yeah. Idea. It's more than just like, oh, you're in class, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. oh, you're living a life too, which every casting director says they want. But I'm like, man, it's hard to live a life and do everything too. No kidding. And then, um, my first day was really cool because they were like, what's something you want to accomplish? So you end up setting these six-month goals. And the one thing I knew is I wanted to make my own movie. I wanted to make this movie, uh, at the time it was called Stick It 2. And uh, and then Disney said, no, you can't have the rights to Stick It 2. <laughs> and I said, okay. And so I called it Chalk It Up. And on my first day of Actor Salon, and this is probably like many years after Stick It, so I'm jumping a long ways. Yeah, no, I wanted to know how far it was from the movie. So. Yeah, quite a ways. Probably like seven years. Um, but I was like, I'm going to raise 100000 And I said it just like this. I'm going to raise $100,000 and make a movie. And they're like, oh, wow, no, you can't say it like that. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, try it again, but like actually believe the words that are coming out of your mouth. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, I'm going to raise $100,000 and make a movie. And, and then they basically help you through the process of meeting your goal. And crazy enough... We did. We raised $150,000 and made Chalk It Up, which is now on Netflix. Please go watch it. It is. And uh, it's also on airlines. It's on United Arab Emirates. Is it really? Yeah. My friend was coming from Sri Lanka and was like, Maddie, your movie is a choice on the airlines. That's so awesome. And then it was funny, too, because then I thought, well, as soon as Chalk It Up comes out, then obviously I'll make it again. And I'm like, hmm, when does that happen? (laughs) Are we still waiting? (laughs) Yes. Still waiting. Still waiting. Um, So that... How did the actor salon then help? I'm so I'm so curious about different classes. And yeah, different. There's so when you get to LA, it's mind boggling how many types of classes and you know improv and this and that. Oh, and yeah, and thing. I've and, done so many of them. Oh, all, and a lot of them I don't think are worth the money. Agreed. And my biggest thing is like if if you if you're going to invest time and energy into something and it is additional to what you're working on for your career and what you're working on for your life then it better be damn good. Yeah. <laughs> so. There's probably like four that I've felt like helped me the most. Okay, what were they? John Kirby's acting class, Actor Salon, which is also linked to John Rosenfeld's acting studio, which is also awesome. Um, Donna Morong and Deb Aquila, I'm going to butcher her name, but they were actually the ones that cast me in Stick It, ironically, and now they no longer cast, but they run a school, and they're fantastic. Oh, Okay. 
And then I did UCB, which improv was actually what I did all through college and performed with this group called Chips and (laughs) Chapel Hill Players. And I just wanted to keep doing it out here. And UCB helped a lot, just like knowing comedy and never being afraid to make stuff up on the spot when they asked you to in auditions. So how many levels of UCB did you take? I did it all. I auditioned for Herald teams two or three times, didn't make it, I was, but I was on like an all-women's team for a while. We performed around town, and then I did like a two-woman show. Oh, cool. Yeah, and then eventually I was just like, okay, well, I've done as far as I can go in this one. <laughs> I'm still looking into Groundlings. I just auditioned for Groundlings. So, oh, you did? Yeah, so maybe next time I'll let you know how that goes. <laughs> <laughs> there's, so many, there's so many schools. Yeah. Uh, what was it about the actor salon that like took it from an idea to it's real? What they do is they give you tasks each week. So they give you very measurable things, which is nice because then you can't get bogged down by the big picture. So it's like, okay, next week you're going to like for me I was like, how am I going to raise this money? They're like, why don't you try a Kickstarter first? So One week the task might be like you need to set the amount that you want to get, set a date that you want to launch it. And that's all you had to do for that week until you met the next Wednesday. And then the next Wednesday was like now you need to decide what's your video going to be about and write it, write the script for it. And then the next week would be like now figure out the budget for shooting it and raise, you know, that money for shooting, which our budget for shooting just our trailer was only $400. Not bad, you know. And then they'll also help, like, if you need help raising that money, like, what are you going to do to set aside this amount of money to raise that money? And then um, it's just cool because, like, I had another friend, and her whole goal was to be on the Mindy Project. And for, like, one year straight, like, at the end of it, you you do your manifestation where you're like, I'm going to be on the Mindy Project. And we all go, yes, you will. Like, Uh and we support that. It sounds so dorky when I'm saying it out loud, but it's really fun. No, when you're in a group <laughs> setting, you can kind of accomplish almost anything. Yeah, right? <laughs> and I remember she, because we were both just like had met up. We were in different actor salon classes, and I was telling her my story, and she's like, mine was the mini project. And she got, she was like, and it got to where it was like, I was scared to be like embarrassed because I said it every week for like six months, and then she booked a part on the mini project. Really? Yeah, and it was like, they, but they, she knew exactly what she wanted, so she targeted those casting directors. They helped her go to those workshops. People that knew any of the casting directors or the writers would like set her up on meetings with them. So eventually it was like, yeah, you're going to accomplish that goal because you have this group that's supporting you, and you're so focused on it, which was cool, really cool. That's so, it, that's like a true moment of networking in a non-gross way. Yeah, and it's so, it's helpful because it's so specific where if she'd just been like, I just want to book any co-star, you know, like it was cool because she was like very specific on her choices too, which they help you kind of like hone, like the first day you come, they like just label your type. So they just look at you and you're like, girl next door, Reese Witherspoon, you know, like um, I could see you playing a teacher. I could see you playing an athlete. I can see you playing this. And you kind of get what people see when they see you which is great because that's what your headshot is anyway Mm -hmm. everything in this town is what you look like at first appearance and how you're judged you know and then you can build within acting class the rest of your like repertoire and like build up your skills so people are like oh no I know she can do that too you know yeah Yeah, you gotta get there yeah well let's I'm gonna segue off but we're gonna come back to to chalk it up because I have a thousand questions about (laughs) How you made a movie yourself. Um, okay, let's, since you gave me that nice segue, mm-hmm. talking about appearance. You're a CrossFit athlete. Yeah. How did you become that? And how do you deal with being an incredibly strong physically mm-hmm. <laughs> and like looking woman in Hollywood? Um, I, okay, I'll answer the first part first because that's easier. I was pretty. I don't want to say like depressed, but just like I was a competitive athlete my whole life. I'm probably, I probably can't help that I'm an athlete first, which I think is good because you have like a tenacity that makes you never give up, which is great for this industry. Um, But after gymnastics and after stick it, I was like, oh, I don't know what to do. And I just like (laughs) didn't want to start gaining a bunch of weight um, and so I was just like going to Gold's Gym all the time. And then I saw a guy doing handstands and I was like, Hey, you should be my friend. Cause you can do handstands. <laughs> and eventually he did become my friend. And then he told me about CrossFit. And so I went and tried it in a park 
and I hated it. And I was like, this is for elite athletes. This is retarded because I was so sore. But I just really didn't give it a chance, you know? Yeah. So I came back like a month later and then he gave me a reasonable workout. He also like tricked me and tried to give me like one of the hardest workouts ever. <laughs> and so What year was this? This was 2008. Okay, so this was before CrossFit exploded. Yes, okay. right before. Right, right before. And then he was like, oh, you're really good at this. You should like get certified and be one of my coaches. And I was like, great. I don't want, I think I was at the time I was taking, I was a caregiver. So I was taking care of a girl with MS and like literally wiping her butt. And wow. Yeah. And it was just so hard. It was so hard. And it was hard too because friends would be like, how's your work going? And like, they didn't want to hear about it. You know, Mm -hmm. you're like, oh, well, she's deteriorating. She can't, she's trying to speak to me through sign language now because she's lost her voice. And, like, it's, it's just always like, oh, that's a, that's a real downer, you know? Yeah. And it was sad because she was an amazing girl. Her name's Allison. She was so full of life. And, like, MS is horrible. I don't wish it on anyone, and they need to find a cure for it. Uh, so I still love anytime there's a charity option, I go for the MS route. But, like, it was so nice to also get out of being a caregiver because I didn't know what I was doing. I'm not like any sort of a nurse or anything. Oh, um, that's such a real job to have as an actor. Such Holy a real job. Shit. Yeah, and you do not feel sorry for yourself when you have that job. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. You, you just can't because you're you like, nope, I'm walking, I'm talking, I'm fine. Yeah, there's no I'm pity gonna, parties about yep. auditions because did, you're a yeah, functioning I didn't get human. the part, that's okay. <laughs> yeah. Wow, I didn't know that. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah, and so then I got my certification and I started crossfitting. But I will say I think it was a detriment to my acting career for sure. And I still think it probably is. Ooh, okay, talk to me about that. um, I just think it's harder for people to see me as just like a normal girl when I go out for parts. And anytime I do, I like, I cover my arms because they are very muscular. And it's sad to me because like now we are accepting more types. Like we're accepting... Fat people. <laughs> that sounds horrible, but like larger no, people. You see different shapes. You see on different TV shapes on now. TV. Yeah, and almost kind of in movies. We're getting there. Almost in movies. <laughs> I know my favorite like Golden Globes quote was when Amy uh, Poehler and Tina Fey. I know exactly what you're. Gonna yes, say. yes. Was it Matthew McConaughey? Yeah, when Matthew when McConaughey I, lost yeah. all that weight lost for Dallas Buyers Club. Yeah, and they go, "Ah, uh, women call that being in a movie." <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> I'm like, yes, that's true." Hundred percent. But I think the thing is it's still very hard to see muscular women just as a normal lead, which I get, like, even myself, I'm, like, sometimes, like, oh, I want her to look like this, which is just the average, you know, and... Do you think that that is because we don't see them as often in daily life? Yes. Yeah. I think even, um, even really elite athletes, I mean, gymnasts have such a distinct body type anyway, like, you can, I can spot gymnasts on the street and most like track athletes have like you know such well-defined legs but to have arms with muscles has always been very unique even when I was a little kid like I had arms with muscles and so it's it's always been like oh weird you have arm muscles and I wish that I didn't love working out so much sometimes or I just wish I knew how to like not gain weight when I wasn't working out (laughs) (laughs) which requires a lot less eating which I don't love because I love eating (laughs) Um, but yeah, it's definitely like I've had manager, a manager drop me cause he's like, can't get you parts cause your arms are strong. And every year I'm telling, I tell myself I'll quit and every year I don't. And so now I'm like, well, maybe I'm just going to try to make strong happen. I'm going to be like, mean girls, stop trying to make fetch happen. <laughs> just make it happen. Yeah. I'm going to try to make strong happen. How has it been for you in auditioning with that? Have you, do you feel like you've actually gone out for things and they see you walk in the room and they see you differently? due to a headshot because a headshot you know might not have your traps in it for right example um I think oops, I think I'm like memorable in that way mm-hmm. um but it does like typecast me more I go out for athletes FBI the cop you know those kind you were fitter funny. than any cop I've ever seen in my yeah entire life. yeah well even <laughs> even recently I just went out for a firewoman and I remember I was showing a friend and she's like the first uh she like wants to be this firefighter and she's like telling the boys she's as strong as them and that she can do anything they can do. And they're just kind of like, yeah, sure you can. And my friend is like, well, it won't be believable if you do that. Cause obviously you're as strong as them. And I'm like, no, 
I'm still not stronger than men. Like <laughs> men are still stronger. And it's so, funny because you're like a kind of a petite person. Yeah, I weigh like- 115 pounds, <laughs> literally. Like I can stand on a scale for everyone and show you. Like I'm just like, and I'm five foot four. I'm like, no. So it's such an it's an interesting. It's just it's someone uh, reached out to me about. After Wonder Woman, I wrote an article and I was like, it's great that this is happening and I love seeing this, but the strongest, most jacked women in that movie were in the chorus. They were in the ensemble yeah, of the friends. they're not the lead. They're not the lead. And, you know, as we can praise them all day long for like having Gal Gadot work out, but at the end of the day, they picked a supermodel mm-hmm. to beef up slightly yep. to make into this person even the new tomb raider girl isn't that jacked yeah she's pretty muscular but like she's a small person who put on muscle for a movie right which is a very different feel i know i wish i mean it's a choice i have to make like every year i'm like oh i'll stop i'll stop so maybe i will stop and now i'm like older and it's just funny because i'm like god it just makes me feel so healthy though and i feel like i'll live longer if i keep working out and so it's sad because i'm like well i don't want to like detriment like the longevity of my life because I'm like well you look younger too and I look younger but I think that's all from working out as well you know interesting yeah what's your uh what's your like diet like do you have stay pretty consistent in any sort of thing I like yeah. to talk about like specifics of diet is day-to-day. why I like to work out I <laughs> love food I love sweets I I drink an iced mocha every morning do you really yeah oh my god I like I love bagel sandwiches. I probably have them twice a week. I'm very good at portion control. My friends all tease me because I like, if you went in my purse right now, it'll be like, oh, you have three-fourths of a Snicker, like some Sour Patch Kids, but only three of them eaten out of it and like stuff like that. But like I'm so good, I'll eat like three pieces and then I'll stop. And I learned it all from this book called Way Down because I struggled with eating. I gained like 15 pounds after college, which like every gymnast does. Because you're used to burning like 4,000 calories a day. And then all of a sudden you're like, no, I'm normal again. I burned like 1,400. Uh-huh. And, um, and so, but it, what it teaches you is to wait to eat till you're hungry and then stop before you're full. And it's that sounds the way so easy, but it's... We're also out of touch with that part of ourselves. Yeah, it's shockingly hard to like actually wait till your stomach's like, I'm hungry. And you're like, oh, because you just want to eat whenever. Um, so that's kind of my diet now. I kind of eat whatever I want, but I eat really small portions interesting yeah okay that's cool I, I love like sharing like people hate sharing and I'm like share with me share <laughs> I love <that>. <laughs> <laughs> I like doing that too um okay so then instead of waiting for roles to happen you went and made your own movie yes start me in the beginning okay because <laughs> a lot of people now want to make their own stuff which is amazing I want nothing to do with that world <laughs> I don't want to ca- I don't want to cast I don't want to film I don't produce. I want nothing to do with any of that because editing a podcast is the extent oh. of my mental stability <laughs> editing is so hard so how did you okay obviously you decided to make a follow-up to stick it which I wrote right after the movie because I was auditioning and I was like talking to one of my best friends from college who was a gymnast and I was like Brooke we can write this stuff like I don't feel like we're going out for that cool of stuff which like then TV wasn't as good as it is now yeah um TV got so good in the last five years so so good it's so good it's yeah. so good and so at the time I wrote like a very Jim Carrey-esque stick it to like really campy like when I read that draft it makes me laugh because it's so ridiculous and I wanted like at the time Robin Williams to play the coach and I was like yeah this is how it'll be because he's so funny and um like Jim Carrey is honestly why I wanted to be an actor I want to do roles just that like are silly and fun and I actually had an acting teacher um who was like you never want to have Jennifer Aniston's career and I was like what that's a hundred percent what I want (laughs) If I was on a hit TV show for 10 years where I'm just like playing the funny girl the whole time, no, I'm in. I'm in 100%. Why would they say that? Because he was like, you know, there's like a variety. Yeah. Uh That's like, she does the one thing. That's, and I'm like. Honestly, I'll do any one thing. Just give me the one thing. Right? (laughs) I was like, yes, she's made millions of people happy for 10 years straight. Which, P.S., that was long before she broke out of that because obviously now she's done a ton. 
ton of different shit. And we love her in everything she does. Look at her in horrible bosses. In everything. And we're the Millers. And freaking everything. She's so good. And cake. She's so good. So anyways, I was like, yes, I do. Um, (laughs) Where was I? I don't okay, even know what so I was about. You, you wrote it. and you- So I wrote it, and then I didn't know how to write at the time. So then I kind of had a friend who was like my writing mentor, and he'd sold a bunch of films to Paramount. And so he would read stuff, and he gave me books to read about writing because he's like, you're not good yet. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay. You're not supposed to be good yet. Yeah. Okay, so then I started to learn how to write. I read a lot of books. Do you Actually, remember what books mm-hmm. were the best or they were t- helpful? They told me the, the Screenwriter's Bible I read, um, Storytelling. Save the Cat, of course, but like... I feel like everyone has to read Save the Cat. You have to read Save the Cat because there's a reason it does well. It's because it does give you like the baseline. But you can't... Don't make it exactly page eight that you save the cat or what... You know, like try (laughs) to find your own way. Read a lot of good scripts. That was the biggest thing that he taught me too was to try to read. And you, if you Google search the script name PDF, you can find almost any script online. Really? Yeah, which is really cool. And I didn't know that until I started like looking and um and then I got a job uh I interned so I worked for free while I still had a second job and I worked for a writer Bobby Moresco as his like assistant and I got to learn the world of writing through him and he'd won the Oscar for Crash him and Paul Haggis and so I like saw how he worked and like how did you get that job through a friend at CrossFit. Everything that's happened has been through like a friend at CrossFit. So that's another reason that it's very hard to quit CrossFit. Because, Let me talk to you about it. Yeah. I'm right there with you. Half these podcast guests have been people yeah. I've met from the gym. It's also a place where you bond really well. It's a place where that you community. bond. It's the greatest community. And even though I don't do it anymore, it's still like a huge part of my life. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so I had that job. I learned a ton from that. Just reading scripts, having him tell me. He would give me so much advice too on what makes a good story and well, I remember one of the coolest things he said was like I hate when someone says my my character wouldn't do that and he's like people are interesting and their characters do things all the time and that's why we have the phrase out of character is because we're people and we're humans you know like we change and we do weird things and he's like so I hate that like I want my characters to do weird things that you don't expect them to do which I thought was very cool and interesting I do I like that a lot right and so then um, Brooke and I started writing more and more, and then we wrote other stuff. We tried uh, writing pilots, so writing for TV. And then we started entering contests and started, like, becoming finalists. So we're like, oh, I think we're finally getting good at this. Where did you – okay, two questions. Mm-hmm. Where did you find the contests to do, mm-hmm. and what was the difference between writing film and writing TV? The contests – I mean, we just found them on the internet. We kind of Googled, like, which ones are, like, acceptable and also just asked writers. So, like, The Nickel is a big one for features. Uh, we did, like, Scriptapalooza, Blue Cat Fellini, Script Pipeline. There's the Final Draft Contest is pretty big, the Austin Film Festival, and the Sundance one. Those are the ones off the top of my head okay. that are, like, really big ones. And um, and then, what was the second the, one? The... The going from writing for film versus writing for TV. Writing for... Because pilots are hard to write. Pilots are hard to write. I would say the biggest difference is your characters are way more important for TV and your story is way more important for film. So you want to have the greatest characters that people are going to watch for the next five to ten years, right? And it has to be five. It can't be four. That's a big thing because they're like, if it's in high school, have a plan for year five <laughs> and um, because they don't want just a four-year show, you know. And then, but for film, it's like, oh, you need to have this epic story. Obviously, you have to have great characters that have like an arc, but you really want that story to be, you know, uh, beginning, middle, and end. And um, so, yeah, so as we got further and further into TV, I've started meeting with more writers. So one of the things Actor Salon told me to do is start taking coffee meetings with writers which I'm sure is, like, so annoying for them to go on these, like, coffee dates. Uh, I know, but they wouldn't do it if they didn't want to. Well, I'm sure, like, they probably didn't want to, but they're, like, nice people. So, like, I tried to really target the nice people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or have other nice people ask their nice people friends. <laughs> so, like, you know, again, in the gym, there's people, like, I don't know if you've had Jonathan Del Arco on the... No, not yet. Yeah, but he would, like, set me up with his writers for major crimes because he's been on the show forever, you know? Oh, that's awesome. And then, like, Rawson was at the gym, so he, like, met with me. His yeah. greatest compliment was the way he read 
one of our features and he's like, this isn't terrible. And everything I read is terrible. And I was like, yes, we're not terrible. Honestly, most things, most scripts I read are really bad. Me too. Across the board. Yeah. I mean, I'm lucky now that I'm surrounded by really crazy talented writers. So it's like, oh God, the bar's so high. <laughs> um, because now I'm working for Marvel in the writer's room, which is really cool. Yeah, we're going to talk about that in a sec. And then, um, yeah, and so then once we, like, got better and better, we met with an agent that my actor friend set me up with at her company. She's like, oh, I know someone in the lit department. Because we were like, we need an agent, an agent. And um, so she set up with, with this guy, and he was like, you guys have great stuff. Like, we'd written a Vampire diary spec and then written our own um, pilot. And he's like, you just need to make something. I can't rep you until you've made something. And so we were like, challenge accepted. Because <laughs> when Brooke and I put our minds to something, we were like, we're going to freaking do it. <laughs> and so that's what spurred on making Chalk It Up. So what was the process of then casting a movie you wrote yourself? Let's go into that. Well, like you, I wanted to be the lead. I knew that. <laughs> and I loved, I read Mindy Kaling's book, and she's like, don't ever write something where it doesn't have a part for you in it if you want to be an actor. And I was like, honestly, it's the straightest advice. Yeah, best, <laughs> best answer ever. So now we don't write anything where there's not a part for me. And then we just hope we sell it before I get too old to play it. <laughs> <laughs> Which was like somewhat of a fear during Chalk It Up because I was like, oh, God, I'm playing college age, which I'm older than that, but, yeah, you know, but not you much. Look it. Um, yeah, so it would just All that good. working out, man. All that working out. Um, and those <laughs> partial stickers of ours. <laughs> yes. And the partial stickers of ours, duh. Um, so, yes, yeah, so then we're like, okay, we have to make this. So then Actor Salon kind of helped me out, and we decided to do this Kickstarter, and we looked up a lot of videos on how to make a successful Kickstarter but ironically, at the bottom of our Kickstarter, which is what helped make the whole movie happen, we said, any investors that are interested, please reach out. So our Kickstarter made $30,000, which we never saw any of, because if you don't meet your goal, you get nothing. So guys, do Indiegogo. You get your money. Ugh. But our whole thing was we didn't want to do it anyway if we weren't going to make enough to make it. So that's why we chose Kickstarter. Wait, does everyone who gave you money then give it back? It gives it right back. Mm. Yeah. And I don't think even people like knew that, but it would re immediately yeah, reimburse Yeah, I don't remember because I card. definitely gave you money. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I think you did Indiegogo too, which was very oh, nice. Oh, okay. That's right. You did both. Yes. Because okay. at the end we were like a little bit short. So we're like, let's do an Indiegogo and hope that all the people give again, which it was still a significant amount. I think it was still like 10000 which was awesome. That's amazing. Yeah, because people were all like, didn't we do this? And I'm like, no, I give it all back. <laughs> but it was cool because... An investor from Canada reached out whose daughter was a gymnast and saw our Kickstarter and was like, hey, my daughter would love to like be a part of this movie and I'd love to help finance it. And then I also had been, because of Stick It, I'd been going to gymnastics camps and doing like appearances. And one of the gyms was like, if you'll shoot the movie at our gym, we'll, we'll uh, invest in it as well. Wait, so you got investors and location in mm -hmm. the same swoop? Yep. And Damn. it was crazy because we shot half in Riverside and half in Pennsylvania. So we flew our entire cast and crew out to Pennsylvania, which was a huge expense. I do not recommend doing that. But I will say having everybody in Pennsylvania where we had the gymnastics gyms, we had – he's used to running a camp, so he had housing for us and food. Like he had his um, chef stay on and cook for us. Wow. Yeah, it was really, really, really cool. And then we just brought, like, a skeleton crew out there. And we also used a lot of people, like, right out of film school. So, like, we paid our director, but then he hired a whole crew of just, like, people he knew from film school that wanted experience. And then friends just helped so much. Friends helped with our titles. Friends helped with our special effects. Friends helped with our color correction, like, with our music, with our, I mean, everything. Like, Maggie, mm -hmm. I think she's... Maggie Sasbo, she's from our gym. She like donated music. Like, oh yeah, she's a uh, she. She it's her song that's the opening and closing yes, credits of the yes. podcast. Yeah, yeah. And her song was all over. Three of her songs are in a movie. Like she's she's so talented, amazing. Yeah, and it was just like such a team. Like I always joke that I had to trade gyms because I used up all my favors <laughs> at, <laughs> at Brick, which was Sam, where Sam and I met, and uh, which is not why I left, but. Um, but that's like my running joke. I was yeah. like, yeah, I had to meet new people in the industry, <laughs> but it was like so cool who you meet. And it really tr is true. Like networking does matter, but like 
I think the cool thing about our gym is that you don't even feel like you're networking. You're just tr- you're just working out with them. That's another like theme of this podcast. I feel like in most of the conversations I've come up with people, it's been like everyone your mental original image of networking is like, "Oh, I got to go to this party. I got to go have drinks with so and so." And it really is just like the people you see in your day-to-day life who you're friends with, like that's your network. Yeah. Work where you Even people go. I met at the coffee shop. I, I had regulars at the coffee shop that ended up becoming friends. And once I found out like what they did, they were some of the writers I met with, you know? Like it's weird. So like no job that you're doing is like too small or too big to like be networking, which is cool. How did you go about uh, casting your movie and did you learn a lot as an actor from being on that side of that world? No, I didn't learn a lot because <laughs> That's not the answer. I, I know this is the worst answer to this question. <laughs> we had a really weird casting process. We hired a casting director, Stacy Tenenbaum, who's awesome, but she didn't really want to do auditions, which I didn't love. But I was like, well, I trust you because I've seen other stuff you've cast. And so she actually like it was a nightmare. Like we didn't have our two guys till almost like two weeks before. And then the majority of everything, everybody else was friends I already knew from acting because mm-hmm. I'd been out here for eight years and been in a million classes and shows. And so I just hired my friends. But what was also hard was that I needed to hire a real gymnast because I couldn't afford stunt doubles. Uh, yeah. And so that sucked because, you know, a, a, some of, a couple of them were actors, but most of them weren't. So it was like, I'm sorry, I can't give you too many lines because you don't know how to act, you know? <laughs> and they were fine with it. They're like, I don't really want to, you know? Yeah. Uh, and so I needed them for their skills. But like uh, Rachel B- Brooksmith had a, a double and, and she's an awesome actor that I met at a Reebok photo shoot. And then the rest of them, and Krista is a real gymnast and a real actor that I knew from UNC. And Derek told me, my coach, uh, Derek Galvin from UNC told me she was coming out and looking for work. And I was like, oh, perfect. I put her in a movie. Put her in a movie, yeah. <laughs> I was like, this is so good. And she was thankful and I was thankful. Um and then Thomas, I knew from the gym, who played our athletic director, oh, yeah. who's him. the funniest. I'm I don't know. To get him on the podcast. Guys, Thomas Fowler, hire him. He's the funniest <laughs> man in the world. People still to this day are like, God, that athletic director. Like, they don't ever talk about my performance. They're like, that athletic director. And I'm like, I know. He's the best. I know. I got to get him on a podcast. Yeah. He's so funny. And once we ever sell a pilot, which hopefully Brooke and I will sell a pilot in the next year, like, I'm freaking hiring Thomas for sure. Like, he's, he only makes things better, so... That's so crazy. Yeah. So the casting process was super awkward. Like we knew our our cast like two weeks before, but I just had to trust Stacy. I had to trust. So if you get a casting director, trust the process, I guess, or just have freaking auditions because that's what I. If I had it to do over, I would love to just have auditions and see people. But I will say one thing I did learn is it's absolutely nothing personal. Like I couldn't hire some of my friends and I just couldn't and I love them and I know they're talented and it sucked, but it was like not personal. It was just like, no, we need this, you know? Yeah. Also probably not another five, four blonde. (laughs) I had one of my friends who I wanted to hire, Tara, dye her hair red because I was like, I can't have a blonde and she dyed it. Good for her. Yeah. And it was awesome. It looked really good. (laughs) God, what a funny journey. Okay, so you film it all, and then this is the part where actors usually walk away, and we just go off on our merry little way onto Such our a next better audition. Way. <laughs> I, this is why I want no part of this shit. You don't. So it's your movie. Yep. So what did you do? So how do you go? Post-production go is 9,000 times harder than anyone will ever tell you. Also, one thing I didn't learn, that anyone who's going to make their own movie, I learned in retrospect, is that you spend half your budget on production and then you spend half your budget on post. Wow. So you need to save half your budget because everyone thinks, oh, post is so simple. No, it's the most expensive part. We shot in 12 days. We had a... You shot that whole movie in 12 days? We shot a 92-page script in 12 days. Wow. Yeah, it was very, very hard. Um, But we got it done. (laughs) There were lots of tears. There's a little PTSD was like, going on right now. Yeah. Brooke was like, you almost killed my marriage, Maddie. I was like, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> They're very happily married for 10 years now. They're still doing fine. Um, I was like, I know. Um, and then post is just a long process because I guess there's a joke that like you can either spend like um, time, money, or quality, right? Well, we wanted quality. We had plenty of time because we didn't have a set release date that we needed to have but we didn't have money so what we did was reached out to people that had that could fit us in between projects had the time they were all super uh, just like 
beyond giving, I hope one day that I make a fortune so I can pay them all what they're worth, you know? And, um, and we post took almost a year and a half to finish the movie. 12 days to shoot, a year and a half to finish. Yep. Did you want to give up at some point? Um, I wanted to give up more during filming. Oh, really? Because I wasn't, I didn't like being a producer and an actor at the same time. It's really, really hard. You know, at one point I got in a huge fight with, it sounds so horrible, but with my director, huge, huge fight. And then (laughs) I was, I remember, I mean, I used like really bad words because I went back in and I was like, now it's time to effing flirt because I had like a huge flirty scene after that and I was in the worst mood. You can totally say fucking on this podcast. Okay, good, good. Yeah, I was like, now it's time to fucking flirt. And I like went in and I was like, great, let's go. And the guy's like looking at me. He's like, are you sure you want to do this? And I'm like, yes. We're best friends. Let's go. I'm, I think you're hot. And it was just like so, so awkward. And, and I remember another time, I just had the worst time with this director. Um, and he, he tried to pull this on me. He said his crew was tired. We were eight hours in, which industry standard is a 12-hour day. Everyone knows that. We're eight hours in. He said his crew was too tired. And I didn't understand because I wasn't moving the lights. And I was like... I will move every light on this fucking set in my four-inch stilettos, and I won't be tired. So they can go sit down and take a rest. And I was just so angry. And it, it was just hard. And I, I just if I had to do it to go over, I'd be like, I'm not the producer at the same time. As soon as filming starts, I'm just an actor. As soon as filming ends, I can be a producer again. So I, that's my advice to anyone who's making their own stuff. Once you go to set, Ben Affleck. Yeah, no, yeah, like have a token producer. And I also didn't want to direct, but I know that's some people's thing. But it just wasn't for me. Yeah, I cannot imagine directing myself. Yeah, and we ended up firing him um, for post production because he was so hard to work with, and. Um, and then post went much better. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the journey. Yeah. So you worked with people's free time, basically. I worked with people's free time. I had an amazing, wonderful, wonderful editor that I'd worked with on another movie. And he fixed, like, so many problems, which was great of him. Did you learn any actor things that translated back to your acting via watching that back end of putting a movie together? Yeah, I think so. I think... Um, I think the biggest things I learned was like, it's okay to ask for another one if you don't feel like you're, you're in the right place. Like I was happy when actors did that. I was also like in the unique position of being the writer. So other actors would come up to me and be like, do you mind if you say this instead? It just feels more natural, which I've never felt totally comfortable asking a writer. And it was so fine with me that I was like, yeah, of course. And it was always better when they did it like that. And so I think little things like that that I know now as an actor are cool to know. And I also learned more so from being in the room I'm in now just how important it is to uh, be kind, to put, to like put in your best effort, to understand that the writers put in so much work to make what they did and they really want you to respect that too. And just to be nice to freaking everyone. Like, because you never know who's going to be there for you the next... Like, the makeup artist one day had to kind of take over as director because the director got busy with a million other things, which was fine. Like, that he was doing the DP work, too. He had a really hard job. But I would, like, come over to her, and I'd be like, what about that? And she would be, like, giving me notes. She's like, why don't you try this? And I'm like, okay, great. <laughs> That's a team. Yeah. So what do you... Let's talk about what you're doing right now. So right now, I work as a... PA, I'm back to getting lunches and coffee That's for so this. But this is something you're actually really interested in. So this is a, it's a, it's not like a lateral move. You're no, doing, no, this no. It's like a really cool. I was desperate for this job. I was really excited. I wanted to be in a writer's room. I want to know what it's like on the TV side because, I mean, ultimately I want to be Mindy Kaling. That's why I refer to her a hundred times in this podcast mm-hmm. or Tina Fey or, you know, Lena Dunham. I want to write my own show. And people are always like, why do you want to write your own show? But, like, my whole thing is, like, songwriters want to sing their songs. Like, stand-up comedians want to do their material. Like, why is it so weird for me as a writer to want to do my writing, you know? But, like, it's just different in this industry where that's – it's a different thing, a different mindset. But so many people have done it. I mean, like, Sylvester Stallone, Ben Affleck, Matt Damon, you know, like – so that's that's where I'm at. And so now I'm in the writer's room. How did you get this job? <laughs> Through CrossFit? No, of course. <laughs> Actually, yeah, my boss is really cool. So Maddie was a CrossFit trainer, by the way. We yeah. didn't, like, touch on that that much, but... Yeah, so that's why I know, like, everyone. And I've trained probably 
I've trained at probably six gyms across LA, so I've probably met over 2,500 people coaching them. That's good. That's the true side note. That's the true, I think, takeaway from any of this is that your network of people who are going to help you in your career is not just the people you meet on a set. Yeah. It is the it is everyone you're going to work for, work with, people who are going to hire you to do a different job. Like it's it's just so amazing. Yeah, and I think one of the b- best things that I ever heard was any job you're doing, do it the best you can. So even when I was serving coffee, like they knew to trust me with something else because I was trying the best I could or serving yogurt or, you know, taking care of Allison or coaching CrossFit cuz like my boss now overheard me talking about how I was trying to get this other woman to read my script and she wanted to charge me $350 and I was like that's insanity and he was like he's like well I can read your script and um, I was like and I knew that he was the showrunner of this show so I was like this is so exciting (laughs) and so he read it and it was also not terrible which is great (laughs) and uh, and, uh, gave me notes and then I ended up just saying hey if you have a job that opens up and he's like, well, I don't know if you'd want to do it. It's the PA job, you know, and he knew I wanted to be a staff writer. And I was like, no, I'll start anywhere. Whatever's a foot in the door, which is another great note. Just get in. Like even interning, when I said I interned at Bobby's, all I got paid was for lunch. I made $10 for lunch. (laughs) (laughs) And I did the rest for free, but it was such a great learning experience. And so, yeah, so now I'm in that room and it's so cool to see the other side, how they break stories. Like, how much they love, love, love their actors. It makes you feel very blessed to be in. They love their actors because you're bringing life to their words and, and in such a cool way. So it's nice to see how much they appreciate actors really too. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Because I feel like we usually feel like it's us against the world. Right, you know? yeah. And they just, they just love them, which is, it's so cool. That's so cool. Yeah. I mean, it's a cool job. That's awesome. Thanks. Okay, all right, we've been talking for almost an hour, so okay. <laughs> um, so, last question: um, If you could have known something before you started acting, yeah, yeah, take all the time you need. <laughs> but what do you wish you knew? And it can be big or small. I think I wish I'd. I mean, for me personally, I think I wish I'd known once. Like, I was filming Stick It. I wish I'd known better how to, like, talk to agents, how to get a really great team, because that was the time I had the best opportunity to. But let's say I never had that, because that's probably the better questions for people coming out that don't have any jobs, right? Mm -hmm. I I think it's always work on it, because anything you're working on all the time, you're really passionate about, which I love. I'll put stuff on tape, whether I'm going in for it or not. And it just fulfills so much for me. And I think it's just know that it's a hard, it's a long, hard road. But if you love it, it's going to pay off in the end. I'm so thankful for every TV job I have. And I'm thankful I have a movie that's out on Netflix. I'm, I mean, I'm just so thankful. And I think it's just a, it's a really hard journey. So you need to have a support system. You need to have friends. And you need to, like, have some sort of faith in something. Like, I believe in God, which makes it easy. But, like, some people don't have that, but they have, like, a meditation faith or they have, um, you know, their CrossFit gym (laughs) or (laughs) whatever. But I think you have to have that. Yeah. That's beautiful. I guess that's what I would say. Just don't give up. Don't give up. It's so fun. It's so worth it when you're on set. It's so worth it. That feeling. Yeah. Even if you're not on a set for a couple of years. Yeah. Maybe five years. Who knows? Yeah. And we know that. (laughs) And once it's, like... The quote, like, real sets where it's, like, a network behind it, it's just that much more. I know, and the craft services table is <laughs> the craft so service good. In your trailer, all those stupid stuff, like, <laughs> people coming up to you and making sure you're, like, fed, and you're like, yes! Can I get you a coffee? Can I yeah. get you a coffee? <laughs> yes, you can. Uh, oh, my gosh. This was awesome. Okay, if people want to look up your stuff, check you out, where do they find you on social media, website, anything like that? Uh, at Maddie Curley. Or MaddieCurley.com. I'm very original. And <laughs> my Facebook is Maddie Curley. Everything's Maddie Curley, so. And if they want to see Chalk It Up, it's on Netflix. On or Netflix. you got to fly yeah. Emirates. <laughs> or Emirates, or even it's Netflix International, so it's dubbed in 
all other languages what? too. Yep. Wait, did you have a part of that? Like getting a dub? Yeah. So we had, when we made our deal, uh, once the international side decided to pick it up, then you had to make a whole new deal. And they cool. pick out which languages you want to have and stuff like that and how much you want to pay for it. And they hire dubbing actors. And, and they hire, yep. So now <laughs> I can speak German. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah. Oh, it's that fun stuff. Oh my gosh. Okay. Thank you so much again. This was awesome. (laughs) Guys, I will talk to you in just a sec. And that brings us to the end of today's podcast. Thank you so much, Maddie, for your time, for sharing your stories. It was so helpful. I know you guys probably found some incredibly valuable stuff in there. If you did, please, please, please screenshot the podcast, share it on your Instagram stories, and tag me at Sam Valentine. You can also tag Maddie at Maddie Curley, and we can all check it out. Speaking of Instagram stories, Maddie is taking over my Instagram on Friday. So make sure to tune in, follow along, and see what a day in her life is like, especially with that writer's assistant job. That's going to be pretty interesting. By the way, we only have a few more episodes left of season two of the podcast, and I really want to just kill it and then rock out season three. The way I can do that the most is if you guys subscribe, rate, and share the podcast. Hands down, the number one way I can guarantee awesome guests and a lot more time spent on the podcast for season three. Thank you, as always, to Maggie Zabo for our beautiful theme song. And I will talk to you next week. <laughs>